Hello again, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Warfare Tournament. We just finished up uh, four weeks of uh, the greatest uh, theme songs. Hopefully you join us for that. But we are going to do one single tournament tonight, and that is going to be the greatest heel turns. Now, if you are a fan of wrestling history, you're going to get a lot of it going on in this episode. There's 16 different heel turns. We tried to get uh, through some uh, different eras. You're going to notice a big theme in here, Hulk Hogan. But uh, before we hit that, we're going to bring in our guest today. And we start off with Chris Maloney from CWN. How are you, Chris? I'm good. I am multitasking like crazy today. But uh, um, yeah, there's not enough hours in the day I'm learning. But I'm good uh, between... CWN in the hockey draft tonight and uh, Fantasy Warfare again, which I'm happy to be back on. And then some other uh, projects going on. Yes, it's, uh, like I said, not enough hours in the day. Yeah, well, thank you for making time for this. Steven's a little tied up still with uh, all the COVID regulations and uh, different things with uh, dining. So who knows? Uh, I know he's off for at least two weeks on this. And that brings us to Niagara Falls and Chris Jones. How are you, Jonesy? I'm doing fantastic, and I will do a Brady Bunch look at both of you. And that's not supposed to be showing yet. Okay, so we are, as I said, going to do the greatest heel turns. As always, I have a lovely video to illustrate what we're going to be doing, and then Jonesy's going to break down the bracket before we jump right into it. So we'll be back in just about a minute. So that is our video, and there's Jonesy. So, Chris, can you run down what we are going to discuss tonight? Does that bring up the bracket? I absolutely will. All right. Well, in the first bracket, we got uh, Jake Double Crosses the Warrior uh, with special guest Undertaker in there. Uh, we got Hogan is the third guy um, joining the NWO. Then we have Andre joins Heenan on Piper's Pit, and he's that one's going up against Owens Betrays Sammy. Uh, we got Orndorff turns on Hogan versus the Mega Powers Explode. Of course, that will be one of the hot topics. Um, we got Sergeant Slaughter turn on USA, one of my faves. 
um, going against uh, Sid turns on Hogan. And then we get uh, Seth turning on the, sh uh, sorry, yeah, Seth turning on the shield versus Owen turns on Brett. And then we get Beefcake Butcher's uh, friend versus uh, HBK turns on Janetti. And then rounding them out is Trouble H destroys HBK, taking on Christian turns on Edge with some great chair shots. And we got Champa turns on Gargano. Um, going against Stephanie forsakes her father, I would imagine, was that last word. I didn't get that last word. Daddy. Oh, her daddy. There you go. Yeah, I only have so much uh, room in the uh, brackets. Uh, so, uh, Chris Maloney, what do you think of this uh, bracket and uh, anything that you see as being a tough call? As far as being a tough call goes... Um, I'm going to say Orndorff and Hogan in the Mega Powers for sure, because the fact is, I mean, I remember those like they were yesterday. Um, some of them are pretty easy picks for me, but uh, one of the other ones as well, Triple H and HBK against uh, Christian and uh, turning on Edge. So that's going to be a toughie as well. Yeah, it should be uh, a good uh, bracket to talk history with. Uh, Jonesy, your thoughts? Uh, I know we talked a slight bit before we started recording, but uh, any uh, thoughts before we dive in? Uh, for me, it's Hogan is the third guy, Andre, and uh, I think the Mega Powers, that's the three that I are uh, going to be the tough ones. Okay, well, I have a little bit different thought on that, and hopefully uh, you do might wrong. get a chance to uh, do that with the finals. Uh, what I see, I was talking with uh, Nathan at work uh, this morning and um, trying to reason out where uh, certain things could be and maybe a surprise here or there. But we're diving in with our first uh, matchup. Don't trust the snake taking on Hogan as the third man. Uh, in 1991, Jake the Snake Roberts was still uh, basically a fan favorite, and uh, he started trying to show Ultimate Warrior the uh, dark side of things and how to uh, basically defeat the dark side and Undertaker and everything and uh, trying to uh, teach him the way. And there was a couple of uh, vignettes before the one that we uh, have in the playlist that people can watch um, and follow along with what we end up uh, looking at. But he buried uh, Warrior alive and stuff like that. And in this case, the official heel turn for Jake Roberts came when he led the Warrior down to a snake pit and locked him into a uh, basically a cellar. And there was a King Cobra there. And he kept on just taunting Warrior and trying to get motivate him, it seemed like, to uh, embrace the dark side. And the Cobra ended up biting him, and Warrior was, like, poisoned from the uh, venom of this uh, <laughs> King Cobra. And he's overdramatic with this. He's got these bicycle shorts on, or uh, actually, sorry, basketball shorts on. With his tassels on, it just looks totally ridiculous being in this cellar. And he finally busts through the door. And uh, I think just before he busts through the door, you see Jake look over and uh, says something about, oh, the man in black, and uh, welcomes him. 
And that's when Warrior busts through the door and he's crawling all over the place. And next thing you know, you hear the gong and you see the black boots and Warrior's struggling. And there is uh, Undertaker with Paul Bearer laughing about it. And Jake ends it uh, basically saying, don't trust a snake. And so that was his uh, heel turn. He had a not really memorable feud with Warrior, but later on had a feud with Undertaker. Ended up leaving and going to WCW, Halloween Havoc. Uh, did the spin the wheel, make the deal uh, match with Sting. But that moment with Warrior was his heel turn. He's going against Hulk Hogan being the third guy. Now, Hogan had left WWE in uh, 93, showed up in WCW in 94, and did the whole stuff, uh, red, white, and blue, waving the flag, went against Dungeon of Doom and really hokey crap uh, storylines, even had uh, what's going to come up later on, beefcake turn on him, uh, part of that. And all of a sudden... In 96, Hall and Nash show up, and they are basically playing off their uh, Razor Ramon and Diesel characters, and they said, oh, they're here to take over, and that there's a third guy. Bash at the Beach it happens in July. It's just Ho- uh, Hall and Nash taking on Savage, uh, Sting, and Luger, and the third guy had not shown up. And next thing you know, Hogan uh, finally appears, and he's coming down to save the day. The fans are going wild. And unfortunately, Bobby Heenan, I don't think he knew, but gave it away when uh, Tony Schiavone and uh, Dusty Rhodes are all happy that Hogan's coming to save the day because I think uh, Luger had gotten taken out earlier in the match. And uh, next thing you know, you hear Bobby uh, Heenan say, but whose side is he on? And they're d- doubting uh, that's happening. Hogan gets in, pushes Randy Anderson away, looks around, and then leg drops uh, Savage, shows his true colors. Uh, Shivani says he might be wearing red, but he's uh, yellow as well. Uh, They do the fake pin. Gene Orkland gets in there, interviews Hogan, says that they've been up and down the road together, and he can't believe that he would uh, sell himself out to uh, Holland Nash. And Hogan's just like, these people can shut up if they want to hear what I have to say. These guys came from North. Who knows the uh, North better than this guy right here, meaning him. And uh, he kept on saying the new organization of wrestling instead of the new world order. Uh, But that eventually the next day on Nitro got uh, situated. But he, they had so much garbage being thrown at him. And just that moment for Hogan turning Heel, nobody expected it after all those years of uh, Hulkamania, even though he had been a heel in WWE uh, beforehand or WWF with uh, Vince Sr. So given the options between these two, as much as I like the drama of Jake Roberts, that moment in Hulkamania turning and becoming uh, the leader of the NWO gets my vote. Chris Maloney. Did you how bring? Do you, <laughs> how do you uh, how do you even compare this? I mean, this this goes back to the days. I remember when I was doing fantasy warfare, and you'd have like uh, Ric Flair in in a certain bracket. This here is the Ric Flair, although it's Hulk Hogan. You've got Jake and the Ultimate Warrior, which was 
classic. I mean, you think of the stuff the Ultimate Warrior had to um, had to put up with back in the day. I mean, the whole Papa Shango aspect. Um, uh, it's coincidence that it was uh, the Undertaker that got Jake the Snake Roberts to turn heel, but it was also uh, Jake the Snake Roberts who ended up getting the Undertaker to turn face, which was uh, kind of ironic right there. But I mean, for WWE at that time, I mean, it was it was classic television for them. You know, the more weirder it got, the better. Um, but then how you, you can't compare it. It's it's Hulk Hogan and the new uh, world order, the NWO, the formation of it, the whole, you know, year of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash jumping the WCW, pretending that they're invading, you know, and then all of a sudden uh, the gimmick of the the match itself and who's the third man. And then you, they come out United Sting, Randy Watchman Savage, Lex Luger, all with the face paint on, uh, you know, and then Hogan comes out. Uh, that leg drop that's uh, iconic, and he hits the Macho Man with it, of course. Mean jeans in the ring, like you had said, Sean, garbage all over the place. I mean, it's just it's um, it's one of those iconic moments in, in wrestling, top five for sure. So I got to say, hands down, yeah, Hulk Hogan's the third uh, guy for the NWO. So uh, it's 2-0 uh, and o right there. Well, I got to agree. Uh, Hogan, NWO is the best one. I thought the Hogan one... Um... The things I didn't, you would have thought that the crowd would have verbalized more. Um, they sure did as far as throw garbage, but the booing and all that, it wasn't like I've heard much better booing. Uh, so it surprises me watching it that there wasn't, didn't seem to be that, you know, sudden rain of booze that came down. Um, it's more silent. Uh, maybe it was shock, but uh, uh, the Jake one, it actually reminds me of uh, like watching a WCW vignette, except it's much better done. Uh, the production is actually much better. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, Hogan is the third guy for me. So that brings us on to our second matchup. Chris Maloney, we have Andre the Giant joins the Heenan family taking on a friendship betrayed, Sammy and Kevin Owens. So this is interesting because when, when you start going through this, you start reading facts that you had forgotten about. You know that Kevin Owens match at Evolution was with uh, CJ Parker. And to those who uh, can't uh, understand or know who uh, CJ Parker is, he's the one and only Juice Robinson now. So there's a little bit of history for you. That's how long ago this was. But uh, uh, I'll, I'm, I'm starting with this one first because of the fact the other one is is hands down the winner for me. But you've got uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. I mean, the best of friends, but also the best of enemies as well. And this goes all the way back to the ROH days, you know. Um, and saying that Kevin Owens, you can never trust the guy. Uh, Sami Zayn was always that kind of good friend to him. But the fact is, uh, back in the day, uh, Sami Zayn was, uh, you know, NXT champion. And then basically Kevin Owens comes down to the ring, congratulates his old friend before he power bombs him onto the ring apron and the rest is history. So it's um, it's tough to ever trust Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. It's like I said, the best of friends and the best of enemies as well. Now, in saying that, you've got the best of enemies that turn into the best of friends that turn into the best of enemies again. I'm talking Andre the Giant and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Here you got two guys that absolutely hate each other. You go to WrestleMania 1, the body slam cha uh, challenge with... Uh, with Big John Stud, and who's the guy who's coming into the ring to steal the money from Andre the Giant? Bobby the Brain Heenan, you know? It was always one of those things. It's like the weasel, the uh, the Achilles heel, so to speak, 
uh, to Andre the Giant was always Bobby the Brain Heenan. Well, next thing you know, you know, here's a guy and they play it off with Jack Tunney and Jesse Body Venture and Rowdy Roddy Piper with regards to he never getting a championship match the 15 years he's undefeated. What, a, you know, this and that. But Hulk Hogan's never you know asked him if he wants a championship match lead into WrestleMania three. The history that goes down Andre the Giant ends up winning the tag team championships with Haku. I uh, had no idea how tough he was until you kind of get older in life and hear some of the, the Ming stories and the Haku stories. And then next thing you know, they end up losing the tag team titles. You know, WrestleMania 6, Skydome. And Andre's the one who's getting chewed out and blamed by Bobby the Brain Heenan. And Andre's like sitting there in the corner and he's taking it like a, a humble giant until Bobby Heenan slaps him. And then that's the end for uh, Bobby Heenan. So to me, it's iconic for a lot of reasons because of the fact that it's Andre the Giant and Bobby Heenan, um, you know, in the history that they've had. But coming to think about it, and I think I've actually changed my own mind. So I was originally going to go with Bobby Heenan and Andre the Giant. But when I'm going back in history and realizing all the stuff that had happened before that, and then the obviously the career that Andre the Giant didn't have post-WrestleMania 6, I've got to go with Sami Zayn and, uh, you know, um, Kevin Owens. Simply because of the fact the ROH days, the NXT days, into the WWE days, into what could potentially happen. And, you know, with the draft coming up for WWE, and I'm saying this, Fact is, we could see those two guys feuding over the IC Championship over there on SmackDown. So I just kind of changed my mind, like I said, on the, in, in the midst of this. But I got to go Sami Zayn and uh, Kevin Owens. So Kevin Owens turning on Sami Zayn in this one is my win, my, my pick. So that leads us to Jonesy. Well, I think you're on freaking crack. Andre the Giant, the, the, the Piper's Pit, it is a classic. You can't beat it. I'm sorry. You can't beat that one. So for the rest of this thing, I'm going to be very bitter. But that one to me is just, and, and you, you mentioned how with, with Heenan and everything, I mean, you gave me a great swerve. I thought you were voting for that. Everything was going to be smooth sailing. But you know what? The fact that, that the Piper was also a heel for years to Hogan. And he's the one that's interviewing and watching this all go down and is being concerned to Hogan uh, and what he says and, and the fact that he didn't even mean to cut him, but he did. And Piper did. The, You're bleeding, man. You're bleeding. It was it was just it was wonderfully done. Uh, I really wish they stopped doing these in ring interview freaking things when it's supposed to be a show. Do a set. It just. It, it's better. So for me, I'm ignoring the Owen Sammy thing. I mean, yes, it's a good heel turn, but it ain't no history making one. Um, it had great timing and the move on the apron is fantastic, but the history of Hogan and, and Andre is so much thicker, especially where it happened in WWF, people knew about their uh, um, uh, backstory without any internet. The only reason why Owens and Sammy is even on the list is because people could Google it. So there you go. Well, my mind's on tiebreaker on here. Well, as much as the whole stuff with Piper's Pit, and I do agree that Piper's Pit and those sort of uh, 
talk shows, uh, brother love shows, uh, all that the need to come back. How can you even go on the other one? Anyways, I'm done. It needs to come back, and they have that uh, staging area at the. Uh, uh, well, I think it's at the Amway Center at the Thunderdome. They could uh, easily do something like that, especially with the way uh, wrestling is produced today. But Piper's Pit is definitely iconic. I didn't overly like the uh, ending with Piper just going, you're bleeding, man. You're bleeding. It's like, yeah, okay, he's bleeding. What, what's your point? Uh, everything was to he the point. Uh, he with, drew first blood. That's what yeah. they were referring to. Because of an accident, like if you would, if you would have taken some the, movie uh, uh, stuff, chain. you would know. You take some uh, movie classes. Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop now because I'm just doing the Donald Trump. <laughs> Basically, uh, but yeah, uh, of course, Andre turning on Hogan is uh, epic. Uh, I led to ninety three thousand one hundred seventy three in the Silver Dome uh, in Detroit. Uh, biggest WrestleMania, WrestleMania uh, three helped uh, WD break out, but after that, it was kind of downhill, unfortunately, because of Andre's health. Um, I had suggested Owens and Zayn be in here because of the history that they have with each other. Owens had debuted against uh, CJ Parker uh, er earlier in the night, and the vignettes leading him to NXT, people were hyped about uh, Kevin Steen coming, now Kevin Owens, uh, and they knew the, the history between uh, Steen and El uh, Generico, and with Sami Zayn uh, being in the main event, uh, winning the title from uh, Adrian Neville, the first person to come out is best friend. Everybody's happy for him. You see this uh, going on, and then they're the last two to leave, and just when you think that they're going to celebrate together he gets backstabbed gets clotheslined powerbombed and yelled at do not trust kevin owens and it was a shocking moment that led to really great matches in nxt uh the uh, consequent matches that happened after uh, hogan and andre at wrestlemania 3 just weren't that great because of andre's unfortunate health issues so just the impact of the heel turn, I was going with Owens and Zane. I was actually surprised that uh, Maloney went with that too. Uh, but That's embarrassing. Shocking. I can't believe that Andre, that storyline, you're saying that the Sammy and Owens storyline had more impact? Like, give me a break. I mean, I, I it's your opinions, but that's... That, oh man, this this is like someone going to a restaurant and and one guy going, you know what? This is the best damn meal, and the other two guys going, oh, it's okay. Well, I hope you can refocus for matchup number three. So hold on, Sean. That's your, Sean, that's your official pick. Yes. So there was, I'll say, there's about a tenth of me that went with Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens simply because of the fact I thought you guys would be all over Hogan Andre. No, I was actually picking. Uh, oh, no, I, I believe you, but you, you're the you're the bad guy now. I thought I was going to get outvoted when I asked how this how this votes is who is starting out. I yeah. Anyways, continue. Yeah. Well, Orndorff uh, backstabs Hogan, another person to take out Hogan, along with the Macho Man Randy Savage, who took out Hogan. Is there a problem here with uh, Hogan and friends? 
Jonesy. Okay, so uh, just go back for two seconds here, uh, and and then uh, uh, Maloney can answer this. When it comes around to him, I, I just want to hear him say that. Yeah, I I I I, I should have picked Andre and Heenan because that is the better one. Because then then I'll be happy. But anyways, Orndorff turns on Hogan. Uh, honestly, I don't remember a lot of this because I wasn't watching a lot of wrestling at that time. Uh, mainly renting it and that not on TV. Uh, but he had enough of Hogan shit. If you if if and and a lot of people that have turned on Hogan, it was a similar storyline where I'll I'll team up with you even though I'm a little reluctant. And then they end up backstabbing him. I mean, God, how many people have done that to friggin' Hogan? Uh, Hogan, if you have someone that's going to team up with you, um, don't do it because they're going to turn on you, man. It happens all the time. Um, but uh, and 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 uh, so the Mega Powers one, that one I'm much more familiar with, of course. Uh, I remember the Saturday Night Main Event. I was watching it while I was helping my father wallpaper my grandmother's house and it was actually a friday night yeah and uh, they i think they were my my grandmother was in vegas or whatever and um went over there and did that and she had that channel so woo got to watch that and uh it, it was great uh but yeah they were top, the top two guys at the time um they had fought before but not in a huge feud um, at least not a major one. And then once it did become friends and helped that WrestleMania four, and then Randy rove rode this big wave. And then for some reason, Randy got all mad. And that would be, of course, because of Elizabeth, this just enraged jealousy he had. Um, though, I don't know the way they pulled it off when she got knocked down and all that. I felt it, it, I don't know, there was something in there that it's like, well, Randy, if you cared so much, why didn't you jump out or do try something? He should have at least been held back by the Twin Towers. And maybe, maybe that tells more about his character, that he was, he didn't really give a shit. He only cared about Elizabeth for him and not Elizabeth's actual health. Um that's one of the times where I think Hogan did get kind of boned on that because he did come back. And then Randy did one of the best friggin', you know, slaps him or, or I think it was slap. And then he does the quick jump over the uh, um, uh, top rope and then oh, fantastic. One of the best uh, turns because that whole thing was like a good half an hour from start to finish. Because then after the match was the full heel turn. And then, of course, having Beefcake come in. Because, you know, Beefcake has to be on TV when Hogan's on TV. So, um, But for me, it, it's it's the Mega Powers Explode. Uh, the Orndorff one, I know it was big. But to me, it, it wasn't as big as what the Mega Powers uh, uh, did. So I'm jumping on the Mega Powers uh, bandwagon. And I'm going with that one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, when it comes to uh, this matchup, as much as I guess their friendship between Hogan and Orndorff was a big thing at that time, and they were feuding against the Heenan family with John Studd and uh, Bundy, 
and then everything that happened during that uh, matchup where Orndorff ended up getting hit. It looked a lot like what would happen a couple of years later when Rick Martel turned on uh, Tito Santana because Hogan accidentally hits Orndorff and Orndorff then takes his time to get up and the match gets called and Orndorff gets rid of the heels but then turns heel himself and takes out Hogan. That made it for a huge uh, feud between them. They even went to Exhibition uh, Stadium in Toronto and main evented uh, the big event uh, that happened there. I believe that was in 86. But we're talking about the Mega Powers. They had the huge buildup, 18 months, I would say, from the time that Elizabeth got Hogan to help Savage uh, when he was being attacked by Honky Tonk Man and the Hart Foundation to the helping win the title at WrestleMania four, the mega powers versus mega bucks at uh, SummerSlam, them teaming together and forming uh, getting five and three other guys to do the survivor series. The clash at the uh, Royal rumble where Elizabeth had to calm uh, things down only to explode a couple weeks later. They planned everything out, and if you saw the video leading up to WrestleMania 5, they showed where they had sown those seeds and having Savage look, uh, give uh, Hogan the cross eyes of, oh, what are you doing, brother? Uh, so that whole storyline build up to see what happened there. Um, thankfully, uh, through some creative editing, uh, the original broadcast of that did not uh, make it up there, but there is out there. Uh, because Dick Embersall was uh, directing that thing. And when they uh -huh. came back from commercial, uh, Hogan actually was like, are we live? Are we going? And you could see that on the original broadcast and then Savage and him get into it uh, type deal. But yeah, I that, was, that. that was only Elizabeth's, I think, second bump that she ever took in uh, the world of wrestling. Uh, I don't think she took really anything else other than that because she got thrown to the ground by Honky Tonk Man and then wiped out by uh, Randy. So those moments made it huge whenever Elizabeth was in peril. And then for Savage to be enraged with jealousy, it's got to be the Mega Powers and Savage turning heel. Is it a clean sweep, Chris Maloney? Sorry, I was motioning to my wife just for a sec. Um, yeah, no, no it's, not a it's not a clean sweep. So I, wow. I tell you this. So it's one of the toughest, like I said in the beginning of the show, as far as who to go with. But the thing is, I've never, and Sean, you're going to hate this. I have never been a fan of Randy Macho Man Savage. I appreciate everything he's done for the business and the matches that he's had and, uh, you know, this and that. But the fact is, when it comes down to it, when I think of me being a wrestling fan and those moments and those feuds that really meant something to me, Hogan versus Orndorff was one of them. And I remember being in Connecticut for the summer as it was taking place. And there was so much drama to it. There was the Orndorff appearing on Adrian Adonis's flower shop and Adrian being behind him and saying, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And just chanting that, you know what I mean? Well, Jimmy Hart's there. And all of a sudden it was the, and when you look back, it was kind of a weak storyline. When you look at that match against Stud and Bundy, it's one big, simple elbow and Orndorff selling it. Like, you know, he just, uh, you know, like he just got um, the world handed to him on a, on a silver platter and then somebody took it away. And it was a bad analogy. But the fact is Orndorff played it up back in the eighties. And the fact is came into the ring, makes the save for Hogan and then beats him up himself. You know what I mean? But you had talked about the big event here at CNA uh, in Toronto. That was huge. 
Uh, to me, it was the steel cage match that had taken place between Hogan and Orndorff on Saturday night's main event. And it's for the championship. And both guys are dropping down on the opposite sides of the ring. And they had showed that replay back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And to me, um, you know, WrestleMania one wasn't the reason Orndorff to me stood out as a WWE wrestler. It was because of that moment with Hulk Hogan. And it's funny, we can continue to at least probably mention Hulk Hogan's name in every single, uh, you know, um, uh, graph, so to speak, that we do, every single uh, match that we do. But, uh, yeah, this one, to me, I would have I went the opposite way. I am going the opposite way. So it is a two-to-one vote, not a clean sweep. But I am going Hogan and Orndorff. Not to say that the buildup for the Mega Powers exploding uh, wasn't substantial. Uh, because the fact is they had so many tie-ins to when they actually did explode. So many looks by Savage all the way back to SummerSlam, you know what I mean? And Hogan having Elizabeth up in the air and Savage giving him that glare, you know? So, but um, I don't know. It was a toughie, but I got to go Hogan Orndorff. Yeah, well, uh, Orndorff sold that uh, little elbow. Like, he got waffled with a uh, steel chair, and it was just a little much and like i said it looked a lot well, like Hogan didn't do a good job of delivering that force. <laughs> what was that jonesy i i think we're on a little bit of a one or two second delay um i said uh i forget what i said but oh no hogan he he didn't deliver that elbow very well like you see him like you can tell he's like <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to telegraph it but I am glad that uh, Mega Powers uh, won that one because uh, now now we hurt uh, 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 Maloney on that one. Now, <laughs> now, which one can we hurt you on, Sean? <laughs> we'll see what happens. I okay. think I already heard it. Talking about Savage there, it's not the first Fantasy Warfare thing I've put down Savage, is it? No, it's not. But we're moving on to match number four where the turncoat, Sergeant Slaughter, returns to the WD after uh, being G.I. Joe and... Uh, working for the AWA, left Vern Gagne uh, high and dry. He was leading uh, his old uh, team challenge series uh, team, and that was uh, floundering really bad, and came back as a heel. Uh, did not like how soft America had been, embracing people like uh, Nikolai Volkov, um, and they started feuding a bit there. Um, and Slaughter was getting the best of everything at that point. But he was uh, definitely telling people that America has gone soft. He was uh, he gave Brother Love a uh, Medal of Honor on uh, a Brother Love show. I believe it was at SummerSlam as well, and uh, just to show how much of a heel he was going to be. And then the invading of Iraq happened, and Saddam Hussein, and all of a sudden. Uh, Slaughter started embracing that because of how brutal uh, Iraq was and how much they were such a powerful thing. And he was honoring them and started wearing uh, uh, curled toed boots and everything that that uh, entails. Uh, like Iron Sheik, he brought in uh, Adnan, uh, who he was feuding with in the AWA, but. They made him General Adnan and uh, was re representing Iraq. They started just putting down America. He was asked to burn an American flag, but instead he decided to just burn a Hogan uh, shirt. He was just getting so much heat that they 
had to actually get him bodyguards and wear uh, bulletproof uh, vests just to leave his house on a regular basis outside of the wrestling world. Uh, his family was in danger, but they never uh, did move or anything like that. Uh, as things just kept on escalating uh, in the real world, WD kept on riding that one, got the title over to uh, Slaughter, which eventually then he lost to Hogan at WrestleMania 7 in the Battle of Iraq versus U.S. And, of course, the red, white, and blue has to win in that regards. And then all of a sudden Slaughter wanted his country back after uh, the uh, three-on-two match at uh, SummerSlam as well. But having a guy like Sergeant Slaughter who was – America's freedom fighter. G.I. Joe even made him part of their cartoon, made of action figures and stuff like that. This is the ultimate slap in the face to all that where he turns heel. And then you're going against Sid Justice turning on Hogan. Uh, Sid had been out for a bit. He returned to uh, the Royal Rumble in 92 with a shot at being uh, the WWF champion. He came out number 29 at the uh, Royal Rumble. Uh, the final four involved uh, Savage, Hogan, uh, Flair, and himself. He got rid of uh, Savage. He got rid of Hogan. Hogan uh, was a spoiled little brat uh, with being eliminated. So instead of just being a man and going, oh, yeah, yeah, you got me. Go get the title and beat Ric Flair, who Hogan supposedly hated, he actually aided uh, Flair in getting Sid out by grabbing his arm. Flair uh, took advantage and tossed him over the side. Then when it came time to uh, announce who was going to challenge Rick for the uh, title at WrestleMania, Sid thought he was going to be the guy, stood up before Jack Tunney made the announcement, it looked like a fool because it was announced as Hogan. He made disparaging remarks about Hogan, but then apologized for it. Hogan accepted it. They ended up teaming on Saturday night's main event, or which probably was a Friday as well because it's February, and setting up Hogan's match. Uh, they went against Flair and Undertaker, double teaming and everything going on, and then Hogan started posing, and Sid just like, who the hell are you, type deal, and just mocking him. Uh, finally, Hogan made the attempt at a hot tag, and Sid was encouraging him to come on over, come on over, I got you and then jumped down, walked away, Beefcake's pleading with him, what are you doing, you're leaving Hogan, uh, he didn't care, he was going to hit uh, Beefcake, and Vince is like all worried that uh, Beefcake was going to lose his face over the whole thing, but Hogan ended up prevailing, go figure, and later on Sid uh, continued with the fact that he hates Hogan, wanted a match, uh, they ditched the Hogan Flair match at WrestleMania and made it Sid Hogan, and he started putting people on stretchers. That whole turn took a little bit of time, but you know it established him back almost as the Sid Vicious character that people knew him from in the uh, WCW and NWA. Uh, given the magnitude between these two turns, Slaughter was real life in a way with the fact that they had to uh, protect him as much as they did. Uh, it got a ton of heat because of real-life uh, situations, and I'm going to go with Slaughter to pick up the victory. Chris. 
You know what's interesting about this is the not only the politics that are behind this, but the the actual that you've got these two uh, turns in the same bracket because the one guy that uh, is a big part of this is the Ultimate Warrior. He's kind of the reason the whole Sid Justice thing may have taken off in the WWE, but he's also the reason why Hulk Hogan got saved at WrestleMania eight. So, um, but you're talking about uh, and and seven of course. Uh, Slaughter took the title off Warrior to set up that match at, uh, you know, WrestleMania Seven. So, anyways, but you talk about the feuds and the and the um, the turns themselves, so to speak. Uh, Slaughter turning on USA, uh, it was just timing. It's um, they had nothing else really planned. I mean, they had the Kuwait War taking place. Um, you know, it's like Hulk Hogan turning the NWO. That's how big it was back then. That's how big it should be remembered back then. Uh, especially considering the fact that you had mentioned this, the whole G.I. Joe character, as far as uh, Sergeant Slaughter goes, the All-American hero, uh, how all of a sudden you've got, uh, you know, a guy he was feuding with in the AWA, and then the Iron Sheik, who I don't think at all they made reference to the Iron Sheik. I think at one point, one of the commentators, might have been Bobby Heenan, was like, hey, that guy kind of looks familiar. I wonder if he's won any championships or something like that. I think he had said on on TV. (laughs) But um, uh, never referenced at all the Iron Sheik name. It was always Colonel Mustafa, Colonel Mustafa, you know what I mean? And then General Adnan, of course. Um, Going into WrestleMania 7, like I said, a lot of politics behind it. But going up against Sid Justice, who, if you any way at all have watched WCW or the NWA before that, you could never trust Sid Justice, Sid Vicious. So leading into this and the way that he had betrayed Hulk Hogan, it's once again Hulk Hogan getting betrayed. Sergeant Slaughter, the USA thing, uh, ne- not necessarily betraying Hulk Hogan. He did betray Hulk Hogan's com- uh, country. But uh, when it comes right down to it, I think bigger moment-wise, it's got to be Slaughter, uh, you know, uh, turning his back on the USA. Uh, not saying I'm, 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 I'm going to make a prediction here and saying that Sergeant Slaughter turned him back to face is probably not going to be part of the next tournament. <laughs> That's fantasy warfare base, but uh, no. him turning his back on the USA. Yeah, it definitely takes it for me. Jonesy is a sweep. It is a sweep though. I originally had Sid turns on Hogan, but then I was thinking more about it. Um, I mean, the slaughter one, I really do like, uh, I think the Sid one got more attention, but the Slaughter one, it was, he did such a great job of being a bad guy. Um, His voice got very annoying uh, after a while, especially when he did those five, 10 minute interviews of just screaming. It's like, man, how do you keep that up for 10 minutes? Um, But yeah, it's uh, the, the Slaughter one I really like. The Sid one, well, fuck Hogan. Like, I'm sorry. It Hogan's the one that turned on Sid, man. Like, that's how good Hogan's character was and, and how much people loved him. He could cheat. He cheated in, like, almost every single match. He did, Back like, some gouges. And, and like, the, the Sid one really bugged me because it's like, you know what? Sid could actually be really big here, but it's going to be all about Hogan. And that's exactly what it was about. Uh, and their match at WrestleMania 8 is a piece of crap. Um, but um, so for me, it's yeah. Chicago missed his uh, cue as well. He sure which did. I don't understand why he should have been involved either way. But you know, the best part about WrestleMania 8, when the Ultimate Warrior comes down, listen to Bobby Heenan's call on that. I mean, it was the end of the night after a three hour show, but Bobby Heenan, I mean, it cracks me up even to this day. Listen to him scream, the Ultimate Warrior. 
Okay, so that brings us to match number five. Chris Maloney, we have Seth Rollins turns on the shield, and Owen turns on his brother, Brett. So this is tough as well, but I've got to go. Um, backstory with Owen versus Brett. That is my pick. I will tell you why, and I'll give you guys some history on, on both of these as well for all the viewers. But um, uh, when it comes down to it, as Owen Hart, Brett the Hitman Hart, you know, they always kept saying to the fans, to the WWF staff back in the day, it's like, uh, hey, we're brothers. We're never going to fight. We're never going to fight. We're never going to fight. You'll never see us face each other in the ring. Well, problem was, you know, Owen had been the blue blazer at one point in time. And then all of a sudden he leaves. I think he ends up in WCW at one point back in Stampede Wrestling and then comes back as Owen Hart to, you know, to eventually become the king of hearts and, and the guy that everybody loves. But the fact is, when it comes down to it, he was always in Brett's shadow. You know what I mean? It, he was never going to amount to be as big as Brett Hart. Um, so basically, 1994 happens. The Royal Rumble happens. It's Owen Hart and Brett the Hitman Hart. And then basically, I think it was, a, if I remember correctly, tag team championship match against the Quebecers. I think that was what was on the line for them, you know, and uh, Owen's getting PO'd at Brett because the fact is he, he's watching his brother fail in this match and Owen, Owen's temper got the better of him. And I'll never forget Owen just coming up and then basically kicking the legs out from out of Brett, cutting that promo, saying it feels so good to finally come out of his shell. And, you know, 1994, which just happened to be the, uh, the uh, same year as WrestleMania 10. So go and Google that there, folks. But uh, that led into that match there. When you talk about Seth Rollins, the moment itself was just as big, but where the character went past that, um, Owen versus Brett was one big whole kind of um, Canadian wholesome thing that kind of went sour. You know what I mean? There was no really backstory to it. His brother versus brother. Obviously, the Bulldog gets involved, Anvil gets involved, SummerSlam. But with Seth Rollins, it was the shield. He had his two brothers there. But where it went, Seth Rollins just wasn't like, hey, I need to go on my own. I need to come out of somebody's shell. I need to you know, come out of somebody's shadow, so to speak. Basically, it come down to like, hey, I'm sick and tired of you guys. I need to do something on my own. I need to win the world title on my own. The authority is right here, and that being Triple H and Stephanie, and I think Corporate Kane back then as well. And then we see Seth Rollins become basically the golden boy for the authority. So he didn't do it on his own. It didn't really lead up to memorable matches for me. I think he feuded with Ambrose, but it really doesn't stand out like in my memory as far as without me having to Google it. But Brett versus Owen, and I guess, you know, maybe just the, the age I was at, uh, you know, being part of that, watching that, watching that happen, seeing Owen beat up on Brett at WrestleMania 10, and then all of a sudden seeing Owen become king of the ring, seeing Owen fight Brett in the steel cage. Without that moment at the Royal Rumble, we would have never seen those matches take place. So WrestleMania 10, SummerSlam 94, absolute uh, amazing moments. And then the feud through the the mid to late 90s, you know what I mean? Uh, where all of a sudden they were feuding with Shawn Michaels and the Hart Foundation emerged. So it's so much history there. But it's uh, I got to say, as a Canadian boy, I got to go Brett versus Owen. Jonesy. Um, the, the Seth one turning on the shield, personally, I didn't really care about that one. Uh, I think the beatdown with the, the chairs was was good, but not enough people really cared about it. When you're watching that, you watch that clip. The, the fans, there's not much reaction. Again, it's kind of a, 
you're expecting big, huge boos and that, but the heat wasn't there, uh, at least as far as I remember. Um, and what the hell does those flak jackets do anyways? Like he took both guys out with one hit with a chair, both on the flak jackets. Like, well, why are you wearing those if it's not going to like, that's one thing that ticks me off when they do storylines that lead to a big moment and then they, they, they screw it up. It doesn't look good. That didn't look very good how he first knocked them both down. It needed to be something a lot bigger. Um, the Owen turns on Brett. Uh, that one was a slow, slow burn. It, they, you know, Survivor Series, and then it moved on. And uh, the Owen one was probably one of the ones where it really helped the, 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 the character, really helped Owen completely. You know, yes, he's gonna still be brett's brother but he can hold his own now so uh and it's ironic that the blue blazer is what killed him you know it uh, it really is uh so uh for me though it's it's owen turning on brett yeah this is definitely going to be a clean sweep um going back to uh the shield issue uh i think the shocking part of it was the fact that they came in so strong together were so dominant um as heels then they became faces and were still uh, very dominant and just the night before they had taken out evolution and that's why uh they were basically in the ring celebrating and next thing you know yeah, triple h and orton are coming down saying well there's always plan b and so somehow between the pay-per-view the night before and raw they got into Seth's ear about that, and that's where he made the turn. And so that's where the shock was supposed to be. But, yeah, uh, when you look at the whole family thing, uh, you never thought that uh, Vince would ever book a brother's, uh, like, family member versus family member type deal. It was never intended to really get over. Nobody thought. Um, Brett convinced him otherwise. But... Owen was there, uh, sort of a little bit of collateral damage uh, in uh, Brett's feud with Jerry Lawler in 93, which led to that Survivor Series where Owen was the only one that was eliminated. He had the jealousy type deal, and then uh, they made up over Christmas time, and they had those uh, vignettes to say that they're happy and family and back together, even though uh, the week before Vince had... Uh, Owen there and he was insulting his brother but things made up and then they uh, decided to team up to go for the tag team titles and Brett was selfish and wouldn't tag out and everything led up perfectly and continued for a long while because you even have uh, Owen convincing uh, Helen to throw in the towel for his brother uh, in the match with uh, Bob Backlund and uh, Mar uh, Helen always thought that there was something just wrong with Owen. Maybe it was malaria or something that was making Owen the way he was uh, being the way he was. But then the uh, reuniting of the family where Brett and uh, Owen and Davey are there and Owen's crying, just from start to finish, that whole story involving the family was really well. You cannot deny how that impact happened uh and as jonesy said it was a slow burn and then it just was awesome and 
that opening match at WrestleMania 10 between the brothers and Owen picked up the victory made it hard for all the other matches that had to follow that uh, opening match to even be good. I think the closest thing that got consideration was the ladder match with uh, Sean and uh, Razor, but everybody else was struggling because of what happened with uh, Owen and Brett. And then they even finished off the night with Brett winning the title, being lifted onto the shoulders of everybody to celebrate, and Owen came out and just to stare his brother down uh, at the end. So that whole turn is amazing. Uh, and so, yeah, clean sweep, I believe, on that one. And that brings us to our next matchup. The Barber Becomes a Butcher. Beefcake turns on Hogan. And Marty Jannetty runs for his life as Sean drops some dead weight. Jonesy, you're on mute. There you go. Sorry about that. There we go. Um, yeah, so the, the, the beefcake one, I think it would have been better if it was done somewhere else. Uh, the WCW is just too hokey, and the fact that they were just imitating real life, but it was good. It was entertaining as shit in WCW. It just, you know, it seemed more cartoony. I think it would have been better in WWE uh, that turn. But um, yeah, that that one uh, played out throughout pretty much that whole pay-per-view when uh, um, Hogan comes out and takes out the knee. So it was a long, it was a long storyline in one show how everything kind of went down. So uh, and then HBK uh, turning on Janetti, you know what? Marty deserved it. You know that he he. He lost his balance, and Sean, you can tell that he tried to. He wasn't just holding him by the face because he was an ass. He was trying to help him. And uh, anytime I watch that, though, does anyone else go, "Holy shit! That that glass! I mean, if it broke, <laughs> chunk right into Janetti. Like it. I'm surprised someone hasn't uh, edited that and have that happen because that'd be easy to do uh, with today's technology. Um, the Genetti one to me though just sticks out more uh, than the Beefcake one because again, especially for a WWE fan, when you've seen all these WWF guys being in WCW, and it it just it wasn't as powerful. It was again, it was Dungeon of Doomy. It just it was cheap TV uh, where WWE did more classy. It it, it, it looked good. Uh, they had this. The sets it just was nicer. Uh, so for for me that one, it's an easy one. It's HBK. Yeah, WCW had unfortunately, I'd hate to say a classic formula for how they ended up turning people or revealing things, because there was either somebody dressed all in black with a mask, because they did it with uh, uh, Ric Flair as a black scorpion, but I think it was last minute put as Ric Flair because it was random people for the longest time. And Ole Anderson, once again, doing a voice like he did for uh, uh Shockmaster. But, you know, they either put somebody in a mask and all 
black or whatever, or they put them in a box. And what's who's in the box type deal. And it was kind of just, it could have been anybody. Um, there was a couple times that happened before that reveal. I believe that was at Halloween Havoc. But it happened at um, a Clash of Champions and stuff like that. And for it to be Beefcake, it was just like, oh, okay. If it hadn't been for uh, Kevin Sullivan and Earthquake, show, I mean, sorry, Avalanche showing up, meh, the reveal. You know, Hogan would have just quickly kicked his ass, maybe even had a face-off because of how fragile Beefcake's face was. But, you know, it just... And it sent to be kicked in a downward spiral of, of really bad, bad, bad characters. Whether it was Zodiac, the Booty Man, the Disciple, like that he had just so lack of direction, but unfortunately was only kept around for Hogan. I was a fan of Beefcake in WWE or WWF, but you know how he was used in WCW, just horrible. Uh, then, of course, HBK and Marty Janetti having it on the barbershop, once again with Beefcake. But, yeah, just that how it played out and uh, the throw through the uh, glass window, which was actually gimmicked, but it didn't break the way it was supposed to because that was actually sugar glass. And it hmm. just broke in a way that it cut Marty open a uh, hard way. And... Uh, I think Beefcake wasn't supposed to be there, but he came back to check on Marty because of the fact that he got yeah, cut open. And so that sort of added to it. And then Sean ripped up the uh, uh, magazine with them, uh, wondering if there was uh, problems between them. And he says, I don't think so, because there's no longer them. Uh, it sent Sean definitely on a upward uh, turn as opposed to Beefcake's a heel turn going nowhere fast. Is it sweep Chris Maloney? Um, no, actually, it might be. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> Definite sweep. I had to Google the beefcake thing because I had no idea what the heck it was. And all of a sudden, I'm looking and I'm like, Kevin Sullivan, Dungeon of Doom, uh, Halloween Havoc 94, I think it was. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that explains a lot. Kind of blocked out a lot of that stuff as far as wrestling <laughs> goes, either WWE or WCW back in the day. But um, definitely right about the booty man, so to speak. Uh, his career was just never kind of the same after the car accident where he's supposed to beat Honky at SummerSlam 88. And then he ends up, what, eight years, six years later in WCW doing bad gimmick after bad gimmick after bad gimmick. And, you know, I was a fan of the Dream Team, but that was probably, you know, um, his best days. Even Brutus the Barber Beefcake, he was nothing more than a gimmick, you know. So you put him in a feud like this with Hulk Hogan and it's Halloween Havoc. You never know. Maybe the two could appear at uh, NXT Halloween Havoc coming up, you know, to kind of shake hands and bury the hatchet after <laughs> 26 years or whatever it be. But um, never knew. Never knew that fact about Marty Jannetty and uh, Shawn Michaels about the glass there. Uh, just, it's one of those iconic moments. So when I was talking earlier in the show about the top five, that definitely stands up there. And anytime I see a tag team now, and all of a sudden they're starting to part ways, I always think to myself, who's going to be Jannetty and who's going to be uh, uh, Shawn Michaels, you know? Uh, Kate Strikeforce, obviously, Tito Santana was the Jannetty, and then, uh, you know, Rick Martel was the... Um, Obviously, the Shawn Michaels, and that, that was even before that. But um, I even see now, like, the Street Profits on Raw. And I think to myself, okay, you know what? Angelo Dawkins is definitely going to be Janetti, But, uh, you know, and it's Shawn Michaels. I don't know whose ear he was in. Uh, 
And this comes to the point in time the Rockers had been fired from the, uh, WB, uh, had left the AWA. Um, and then Sean, who does he pick up as his manager in one of his uh, first gimmicks uh, post-Rockers is Sensational Sherry, who he's actually had been feuding with over in the AWA as far as uh, that went. So there's some history. But uh, yeah, hands down, Michaels and, and Gennetti. And like I said, it's always going to be tag teams once they go their separate ways. And Shawn Michaels ripping up that magazine at the very end was kind of cool as well. So, yeah, 3-0. and Perfect. Uh, our second last match in the first round has Triple H destroying HBK and Christian turns his uh, back on his brother. Triple H uh, and Shawn Michaels were known as D-Generation X. Shawn obviously got injured uh, when he his back on that uh, casket at the Royal Rumble. He barely made it through, but he did show up uh, for WrestleMania 14, dropped the title to Austin. There was a lot of speculation whether or not he was actually going to do it because I guess even Undertaker was uh, at the gorilla position ready to beat the piss out of Sean had that not happened. Sean ends up uh, going into basically uh, retirement. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he made his uh, occasional appearances as the uh, commissioner and stuff like that. Uh, was on the first uh, SmackDown, super kicking uh, The Rock uh, in a match uh, that he refed with uh, Triple H. But it wasn't until the NWO was there and Hogan turned face. Nash had brought in uh, Sean uh, to the NWO, the only member of the NWO who had never worked in WCW. But just with so many injuries, Nash tearing a quad again, go figure, uh, the NWO thing died out really quickly. So then Sean was on his own. Um, he brought uh, Triple H over to Raw and was hoping, you know, they'll just be best friends again, reform uh, DX. And on that first night, uh Triple H comes out and gives them uh, the uh, DX shirts. They go out to the ring. They're posing. They're doing everything DX, getting ready to uh, give everybody two words. And just as they're about to crotch chop, Triple H kicks uh, Sean, pedigrees them, and basically that's a no. But then, oddly enough, the next week, Shawn Michaels gets attacked in the parking lot and uh, thrown through a uh, window of a car and is really beat up. Triple H has shown the following week uh, with Eric Bischoff in the uh, ring uh, saying, oh, I'm going to find out who did this to you. I'm going to find out uh, and is like really showing concern, even though the week before he had destroyed their friendship by pedigreeing him. And then Sean was able to finally make it back. They uh, are still like, oh, I'm going to find out who did it. And Sean's like, I got video footage. And they clean it up. And next thing you know, it is Triple H who did it. So it actually took two attacks on Sean, I guess, to make this uh, heel turn happen. But Sean then vowed to get back in the ring. We saw the uh, street fight uh, between Sean and Triple H at SummerSlam 02, which was an amazing match. He was just going to do one last match with his best friend and see how it went. Well, it went so well that he decided to continue his career, picked up the world title off of Triple H at the first ever Elimination Chamber at a Survivor Series, dropped it a month later to Triple H, but Sean's career just kept on going in that case. 
But establishing Triple H as the heel that he was and was able to bring out so much of his best friend, Sean, also set the tone for being the game, being the uh, dirt, the next dirtiest player in the game uh, next to Triple H. And, uh, yeah, it's going against Christian, uh, who turned on Edge. Uh, there were multiple-time tag team champions, I think maybe six or seven by the time they uh, split up. Uh, there was the invasion angle happening, and Edge was uh, turning face. Christian turned face with them. Edge ended up uh, becoming the king of the ring, and he was carrying around this sort of Stanley Cup-looking trophy uh, with him uh, to celebrate his acknowledgement as king of the ring as opposed to wearing a crown and all that that other kings have done. And Christian, you always saw, was getting jealous of uh, that. And one day in Toronto, of all things, I believe I, I was at that uh, show because it was back-to-back uh, -back nights at the ACC, uh, the second night, Christian turned on edge in front of everybody and uh, went on to feud with him. He got the Intercontinental title away from Edge, uh, tried for the U uh, European title, which I believe he got as well, uh, back and forth between the two, uh, flipping the IC title. Unfortunately, after that, it sort of went downhill when they were split up and on different brands and whatever. But comparing the two and everything that happened, Triple H maintained being a top heel, he was a main eventer. Christian, unfortunately, was mid-card. Um, I have to go with Triple H turning heel on HBK. Not sure if it's going to make it through, but Chris Maloney. You know, it's funny because I was just talking about that whole uh, rockers effect and who's the uh, Janetti and who's the Michaels. And uh, Edge, obviously, was the Shawn Michaels. Christian being the uh, Janetti. Uh, Christian obviously accomplished a little bit more than, than say, Janetti did. But I got to be biased. And the reason being, because I was there that night in 2001 at the ACC. In the 100 levels, um, basically, if the stage, the, the ring entrance, uh, whatever, I can't describe this <laughs> on camera, but I'll never forget the sound of silence when, uh, when Christian hit him with that chair and, and turned on him. And, uh, you know, I forgot all about that trophy and the Stanley Cup looking thing. Kind of looks more like a Grey Cup than a Stanley yeah, Cup. But uh, uh, Christian was basically, you know, Edge won the King of the Ring. And that, that was Christian's way of saying, hey, you know what? I get to be part of this too. I get to be part of this too. And then but just being there that night. Um, again, Shawn Michaels Triple H is one of those things that had to go. I, I'd have to go back and, and look at all the videos and look at all the clips to remember. When you're talking about it, I, obviously, I, I remember. And, uh, I, you know, Sean's lead-up match to Elimination Chamber winning the title. I think it was the World Heavyweight Championship that night. And then he ends up dropping it back to Triple H. But the history behind that, where Shawn Michaels' career went, uh, basically takes everything he had done beforehand um, and it's almost forgettable. I mean, you know, you WrestleMania 14 with that last match with, Ra uh, with uh, Austin, but the fact is, when it comes down to it, as a hometown guy and being there that night and Edge and Christian and, and, and on top of the world as they were, if Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels had won tag team championships, if they had been more of a cohesive unit other than just, say, DX with China, it'd be a different story. But Edge and Christian have been wrestling together since, what, teenage years or whatever the case may be. So and when you watch them break up after having those WrestleMania main event type matches, uh, especially, like I said, being there live, I had to go bias. So I got to go Edge and Christian.
So Jonesy tiebreaker. So then I have this question for the wrestling minds. Um, so Triple H uh, and, and HBK, and I forgot my train of thought. Crap. Um, I was going to ask a question about that feud. Uh, oh, oh. So when HBK left and the next night Triple H came out and did, you know, brought up the DX thing and all that happened. Did they have a wrestling feud between then and this moment or no? No, they hadn't. Uh, Triple H so the face me, Sean had left and he yeah, took over. For me, this was like a storyline that built up for a long time because it's like, okay, now Shawn Michaels is back. But what about what happened when he left and Triple H basically said, well, I don't need you no more and all this. You know, it's kind of like, and then it finally pays off here. It, it, it's, uh, I think it was well done for me. It's the triple H one, uh, the Christian edge one. Yes. It's a good turn, but it's not to me a substantial turn. It, it, there's a more history to, for me in the triple H HBK one because of the years that everyone knew they were friends and then it dropped off, but it was like, you know, someone just leaving the show not saying, okay, they're definitely, you know, we're not friends anymore. It took years until that happened. So, um, and the other thing I want to then mention is, no, 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 which one do you see is the Genetti with Strikeforce? You're asking me or Sean? Both, both of you. Genetti with Strikeforce? Uh, obviously Santana. Yeah, I go Santana, but I think they were both sort of Genetti because they didn't do anything. I, uh, I would I would agree with they were both Genetti's, but if I had to pick one, I'd say it was Martel because he really yes he got a better gimmick, but he, it he didn't really win anything with it. Where Tito he actually already had peg belts and IC belts, so he really didn't need it. Um, yeah, but and he, he got the. Had, he had tons of main events, and that that he was in like bigger matches throughout his career after the Strike Force one because he was on Hogan's uh, team for um, Survivor Series. He was always one of the you know the good guys that he may win, he may lose. Who cares? But we know we're going to get a good match out of him. To me, Tito is the Michaels out of out of those two. Yeah, but Martel got the fight for Sherry's affection at SummerSlam against Michaels. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was so a great man. Uh, Chris? Jonesy? Uh, oh, mine was for uh, Seth turning on the shield. <laughs> mine was Triple H. Okay. Uh, so our last matchup of uh, the first round has Tommaso Ciampa turning on Johnny Gargano, taking on Stephanie, betraying her daddy, Chris Maloney. So backstory here is basically this was the, I guess the the. I want to say the the kind of the end of the road for the Vince McMahon character, uh, so to speak. Um, you know, as far as everybody knew with uh, with regards to Austin and this and that. But um, 
Uh, McMahon had done and gone through another kind of side of things. And this, if I remember correctly, it was uh, with regards to test, right? This was the whole test storyline that had started everything out with test and Stephanie and kind of introducing her as a character on TV. And then next thing you know, they play, uh, they end up playing Vince McMahon because the fact is, uh, you know, they go and um, uh, basically Triple H go through drive through chapel, the whole kind of Stephanie's passed out and, uh, Triple H mimics the fact that you know she agrees to get married, so they're married, and McMahon's all PO'd storyline wise, this and that. And the next thing you know, uh, it's Armageddon, I think it was 1999, I believe it was. And um, you know, Stephanie's still playing the innocent uh, role, and uh, uh, Triple H is kind of uh, you know getting meaner and meaner. We're starting to see that game character, so to speak, and then. And then the match comes up, and Triple H's got a sledgehammer. Vince McMahon's lying in the ring, kind of all beat up and bloodied. And then uh, Triple H goes to, to hit McMahon, I think, with the sledgehammer. Uh, Stephanie interferes, and the next thing you know, big smile comes across her face, and, and it's uh, the fans realize that Triple H and Stephanie have been in kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, on the same side the, the whole entire time to kind of screw over Vince McMahon at this point. The other side of things, there's a lot more history to it to me as a wrestling fan because you've got everywhere or everything going back to the cruiserweight classic where all of a sudden they started started to plant the seeds between the two you know i mean a great match cruiserweight classic they end up having uh huge successful tag team matches as diy winning the tag team championships uh but then all of a sudden and you're starting to see a kind of a, a certain look as far as these wrestlers go you can't trust them it's something to do with your eyes like sid jake the snake tomaso champa just something about them Johnny Gargano just way too innocent to be a bad guy. Now he's doing well right now, but if you put Champa right beside him, uh, the psycho killer, yeah, it's, there's no way in the world you can trust the guy. So all of a sudden, I think what was it? They, they go and they they're going at they're going for the tag team championships, uh, NXT takeover. They end up falling short from my knowledge, and then basically Champa ends up turning on Gargano, and that is the start of that. And Gargano basically takes an ass beating. Uh, from uh, Champa, Champa, we end up seeing, like I said, the the more esque uh, psycho killer come out, the guy who's going to eventually become champion. Uh, you know, the, the guy that we see now on NXT television, uh, the psycho uh, guy. And so all of a sudden, now we're left to see compassion for Johnny Gargano. Um, you know, it's interesting because it's such a generation gap between the two, and it's there's so much more history to Vince and Stephanie than say that one segment that happened at Armageddon. But uh, as a fan of wrestling in 2020, I've got to go Gargano and Ciampa simply because of that. Because, again, I had to go back and look at notes as far as uh, McMahon went and Stephanie and Triple H. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing I remember is that whole big uh, wedding scene, you know, of going through the, uh, the, the chapel, so to speak. But, um, yeah, i got to go Gargano and Ciampa because it's uh, fresh on my mind. And DIY has had that chemistry to lead up to almost like a mega powers explosion, you know, and Ciampa being the, uh, the savage, so to speak. So. Uh, yeah, Champa Gargano is my pick. Jonesy. Um, so, so Stephanie, um, you know, I was never a fan of hers. Um, she is pretty, but I always, I always found her kind of annoying. Her, her voice just—I'm not a huge fan of that. It did work though, but um, you know, you said it as a fan of wrestling. To me, the Champa one, I didn't even follow that stuff, but I watched that match and what a ladder match. And then after all of that, then it's a quick turn and it's done real fast. It, it, it's just really good. And then to me, that's 
that that's why I'm voting for that one because that turn was quick and after a great match and then you get that on top that's fantastic. Well, it looks like it's going to be a clean sweep on that one because yeah, for me uh seeing that I uh, I was a fan of Stephanie McMahon. I first saw her in the uh magazine in the catalog uh, showing off the bulldog t-shirt and stuff like that and then uh when she showed up uh, all innocent looking uh, with the whole storyline with Test and how it evolved and how things have gone for her over the years. Yeah, I was a Stephanie Grand uh, sort of fan at that point. Uh, there's been times I'm going, why please get off my TV uh, with her and Triple H. But this whole thing with Gargano and Ciampa, uh, knowing their history, uh, as uh, Chris Maloney said, with CWC, uh, them teaming uh, with DIY, being tag team champions, uh, the great match that happened uh, just leading up to that uh, that same night, you would not have known that there was any problem between Gargano and Ciampa. And people were celebrating them and thanking them for their match, even though they were in defeat. And they... I guess the sort of genius of this uh, whole turn also came with the fact that they put that little uh, thing at the bottom saying, you know, the production of WWE and, you know, you got the uh, timestamp and all that. And you're like, oh, okay, we're going to fade to black. And then all of a sudden, bam. And you're like, whoa, what just happened here? And you see the beatdown of Gargano by Ciampa. And you're just like left like, did I just actually see that? Like the show was over. Where does this come from? And what led to everything over time uh, after that? Just and both of them have turned on each other so many times. But they were also, I believe, Ciampa was his best man uh, when uh, Gargano married uh, Candice LeRae. They just have a lot of history, and so that one is going to uh, the next round. You forgot about the glorious bombs. Oh, yes. <laughs> they, so, those were hilarious. You know, talk about the history. That That's that just off the wall kind of... Um, yeah, anyways, yeah, glorious bomb. Google it. Okay, so that uh, brings us to the ending of the first round where we ended up seeing uh, Hulk Hogan as the third man winning 3 nothing. He will now go against uh, Kevin Owens, who uh, beat Andre the Giant in a upset, I would say, 2-1. Orndorff uh, lost to the Mega Powers exploding. So Randy Savage will move on to round two to go against Sergeant Slaughter, who turned his back on his country in a 3-0 uh, victory. The next uh, matchup has... Uh, oops. Uh, has uh, Owen Hart taking on HBK. And uh, Triple H will go against Tommaso Ciampa because Triple H won 2-1 and Tommaso Ciampa won 3-0. So uh, any surprises other than uh, Andre not making it into the second round, guys? I'm just taking a look here. Um, well, I mean, Beefcake butchering a friend kind of uh, was upsetting. I mean, geez. 
But uh, so, yeah, it's interesting because your 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 the way the brackets have turned out, it's um, you uh, it's like, it's like you guys said on the show before. If it had it worked out a different way, I could see others have advancing in this and that. But um, some were tough, but uh, some not so much. So. I'll tell you this, the next round, I got three of the four picked. I can't decide on one of them, so it's going to be a, one of them is going to be really tough. Okay. Uh, that you know, if, us- you've ever played, if you've ever played um, gambling or blackjack or anything like that, and you get a, you know, a, a player and they come up and they hit on like an 18 where they didn't need to and they just took my card away, and then you realize the mistake, and he he he. Well, I just lost two hundred bucks. Thanks a lot. That's what the Andre the Giant thing was. You know, Maloney sat down at the table for one hand, got up and left, and like, what the hell happened? So, I to me, it's a it's it's severe injustice. That's what that's what it is. It's just it's so it's I'll, I'll say it's the legacy. To me, it's the legacy of Andre the Giant post WrestleMania three. You know, it's you can think of what he had at Mania three, but you think about Mania four. You even think about that that main event match that he had where DiBiase ended up with the championship. Yeah, but Andre didn't have. But he, this he didn't was have the for link. WrestleMania three. This was for three. This is the past the torch. After that, it was like who gives a shit. But the actual setup and the execution and then the Mania match. Yeah, but this uh, and, setup- and, and Owens and Owens betrays Sammy. I mean, my God, I hope that that better get past at least this round. Oh wait, no, it ain't because it's up against NWO. Are you kidding me? Let's <laughs> but just setup- skip that one. We that's all know that freaking uh, Hogan's winning that. Hey Jones, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. That's set yeah. up for that one match, okay? That Hogan versus Andre, ninety three thousand people at WrestleMania three, okay? That setup, that that turn on. You know, Roddy Roddy Piper's Piper Pit was for WrestleMania three, right? That one match. That's what fans are going to remember. Let me ask you this: How many Undertaker matches can you think of the top of your head without naming them? Probably at least five that are big money matches. Even though he was so undefeated at WrestleMania, the fact is that gimmick turn, that Jake the Snake Roberts thing, where all of a sudden he turned face, which I know we haven't talked about here, has led so many Undertaker great matches at Mania as a face. And I wish I could say the same about Andre as a heel, but to me, it never, I mean, I think about him getting beat in 30 seconds by Ultimate Warrior or the Hacksaw Jim Duggan feud. And it's the legacy of that match for sure. But it's the feud after that, that Andre, because of health reasons, obviously, uh, you know, couldn't compete the way he should have been able to. So that, that was my reasoning behind it. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> so let's move on to round number two. Uh, we have Hulk Hogan taking on Kevin Owens. Jonesy, you get to start this one. Well, it's Hogan. And and I say that mostly because the Owens betray Sammy. I've seen that clip. And I've seen them both wrestle, but I really didn't follow all of that. Where, you know, the Hogan thing, I don't even have to watch the videos to remember a lot of it. So, for me, it's the Hogan one. Yeah, um, the Hogan uh, turn is definitely going to be a hard one to beat. Uh, it's so memorable. Um, I didn't have any notes when I ran it down uh, at the start of the show. 
I was just so ingrained. I did watch it uh, the other day when I was putting together the playlist, but I even skipped really through it, uh, a lot of it, because I knew what was going on. Uh, people know what's uh, going on with that one. KO and Sammy, wonderful feud, and it's probably going to keep on going. They even had shirt that said Fight Forever, I believe, uh, with their splitting their faces. But, uh, yeah, in this case, Hulk Hogan uh, definitely moving on to the semifinals. Chris Maloney. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 3-0. and it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see if anything can beat uh, Hogan in the NWO. So uh, I have an idea of one, depending on if it makes it through. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So uh, yeah, it's three. No, sure ain't making it through. <laughs> okay, so that was the three and zero quick victory on that one. Uh, moves us on to Randy Macho Man Savage uh, against Sergeant Slaughter. Um, once again, Randy Savage, 18-month uh, build, uh, basically from uh, the Mega Powers forming to the Mega Powers exploding. Uh, dropped the title to Hogan at Mania 5. Became King of the Ring. Uh, was heel all the way for the next two years until WrestleMania 7, uh, epic battle with Warrior and retiring. Uh, we'll talk about that one uh, next week, uh, the ending of that uh, matchup. But, yeah, that's basically three and a half years of uh, being a heel. Well, sorry, two years of being a heel with uh, essentially three and a half years sort of storyline from uh, Megaparis forming to the retirement. Um, going against Slaughter, he was in the right place at the right time, I think. Being able to leave Vern Gagne behind at AWA and uh, the political turmoil that happened in the world I'm going savage though. Chris Maloney. Yeah, I got to say the same thing. It's um, you think of the payoff from the match. You kind of predicted Hulk Hogan was going to win. It was that feel good kind of American moment. Um, but with regards to Hogan and Savage, it's the uh, the storyline all behind it, how it played out at Mania um, from four to five, obviously, and then even leading into uh, SummerSlam where we get to see the appearance of Zeus. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, I got to go. Mega powers exploding for the win there. And Jonesy. Well, the mega powers are going on, but uh, for me, you know, I I changed which one I was going to go for because the slaughter one, to me, had a better payoff. the 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 savage one was great, but for him then to to lose the belt after all that, it was just I didn't like it. I think I think Savage should have got a win over Hogan. Um, the Slaughter one, all his interviews he did, as annoying as they were, how long they were, it was constant booing. It was like the loudest booing, I think. I'm sure there's other ones that are just as loud, but I, 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 I'm like, he got a lot of booing heat, man. And those interviews, it was just solid booing. So for me, I, I'm going with Slaughter on that one. I, 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 I like that one because he was such a great, he did such a great job of being a bad guy. Okay, so a two-to-one victory there. I'm just changing the banner. Uh, we have then Chris Maloney, Owen Hart versus Shawn Michaels. So this was the toss-up. So I kind of left it right into this moment. And then when I looked at it, I just kind of went with gut. 
So I get to go here. I get to go HBK and Ginetti, uh, simply for the fact that of the the career that Shawn Michaels had post that. Um, Owen never. I mean, Owen had his big moments, but he never had the career even comparison close to Shawn Michaels. You know, what I mean, and, and obviously Owen passed away uh, tragically. But the fact is, even when it comes down to it, you look at the characters that Owen had between that moment he turned on Bret Hart to all the way through to when Bret left for WCW. Uh, I, and, uh, you know, Jones, he had said the blue blazer gimmick is what ended up making him pass away. So uh, the fact is the legacy wise, longevity wise. Yeah. HBK. Yeah. Jones, it, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard one for me. I picked HBK, but you know, I'm not making that official yet. I, only because the Owen one did so much for Owen. I mean, yeah, that uh, HBK did a lot for him, but I feel like that turn did so much more for for Owen. Uh, I like the HBK one better. I've always wanted to do a little model of that whole set, um, but uh, I don't know if I'll kick myself later, but I'm going with the Owen one. I'm putting my vote on the Owen one just because it, it really helped Owen so much. It really did. It, it, he turned into such a good bad guy, but because of the goofiness that he was, it 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 worked. And uh, honestly, I don't think if if that happened, Owen would have been missed as much because we wouldn't have seen that character come out. So for me, I, I got to go with. Uh, it's a good turn. It worked and. It's Owen for me. I got it. You're the, you're the tiebreaker on that. Well, uh, if people saw my reaction when you started talking about HPK, I thought you were going to pick it. Uh, I was going Owen uh, for sure uh, because in the time frame that uh, that happened, wrestling was down 93, 94, uh, 95 area that Owen and Brett uh, did their feud. Hogan had left. Brett is now your uh, number one guy. Owen is feuding with him, brother versus brother. And you got an era where, you know, as I said, wrestling was down. And these guys were the ones carrying it, uh, essentially. HBK uh, ended up surrounding himself with the right people. Uh, Click-wise, he became uh, really tight with Vince. Uh, sort of reminded Vince of himself, cockiness, but just everything that went on with Owen and the length of that story, uh, just in itself, unfortunately got lost in the shuffle after Brett left and everything that tragically happened afterwards. But that heel turn of Owen's, for me, I have to go with Owen. And that brings us to... <laughs> I, just, I just had my Andre WrestleMania three moment right there. Just the look of disappointment. Oh please! What what the Andre thing brought in compared to what beat it? Give me a break! And give me a break, Jonesy. You yes. get to uh, go with some Triple H and Tommaso Ciampa. I'll make this one quick. For me, it's the Triple H one uh, again. I haven't watched a lot of the Ciampa Gargano stuff, but the Triple H HBK, the storyline, how long they were friends, all that stuff. I don't know. It, 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 it just 
and, and, and again, it, it really launched Triple H's asshole character, and uh, that that one, the one for me. Okay. Um, yeah, between these two, Triple H was already established as far as I'm concerned. Um, just a lot of things. He needed a lot of different people uh, to help him. Um, I am going to actually go with Tommaso Ciampa. So we'll see what Chris Maloney gives us. So uh, DIY. Ciampa turning on Gargano. I forgot about that. When you were mentioning that, Sean, with regards to being you know, prone to watching WWE pay-per-views and seeing that little logo pop up in the screen and you know, within like 5-10 seconds is done. And then Ciampa doing what he did is like it was one of those holy crap moments, you know. So yeah, I gotta go Ciampa. Okay. Uh so a little bit of surprise there. Uh so far my brackets have not been destroyed. Thank you guys. Sometimes my brackets get destroyed early. I know this week uh or other weeks uh, Jonesy has uh, been able to survive a lot longer uh with how things the go. The music one, I, I that one it was easier to pick. These ones, it's I pick which ones I I think are going to win based on as if I'm 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 grading a place and what it meant and everything and that that's how I come up with them. I think because you know what uh, the, the HBK one I I love just that clip is fantastic. But the storyline of the Owen turns on Brett was just more, but like bigger. So uh, coming out of the uh, second round, Hogan won three nothing over Kevin Owens. Randy Machman Savage won two one over Sergeant Slaughter. Owen Hart won two one over Sean uh, Michaels, and Tommaso Ciampa beat Triple H with a score of two one, giving us our semifinals. Hogan against Randy Macho Man Savage and Owen Hart against Tommaso Ciampa. And I get to start round number three with Hulk Hogan against Randy Macho Man Savage. Now, uh, Chris Maloney pointed out the fact that I'm not a Hulk Hogan fan and how much I am a Randy Macho Man Savage fan but the impact that the Hogan turn did have on the business compared to the turn that Randy Savage had leading to WrestleMania five with the mega powers exploding, I feel is bigger, even though they are both iconic uh, visuals to watch. Uh, people will remember the slap in the face, the finger point uh, right in uh, Hogan's face, uh, with Elizabeth watching on, pleading for him to stop. But the garbage getting thrown in the ring, Kevin Nash getting hit off the head with a full Coke, while uh, Hogan's telling people to shut up, and Bobby Heenan calling it uh, unknowingly, I guess, uh, if you believe uh, that. It just led to so much more. So Hulk Hogan is going to beat Randy Savage in this occasion. Chris Maloney. And the NWO going to the finals. So, yeah, I'm going to go NWO. I'm going to go Hogan with that whole big 
like you said, significant uh, turn in wrestling history that uh, almost put WB out of business. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go NWO. Jonesy? Uh, this one, to me, is equal. Um, even though the Hogan one is supposed to be the bigger one, I just, if I had to vote, and I was a tiebreaker, I was probably going to go with Mega Powers, and that's the one I'll go with, just because, again, I, I remember watching that live, and that it was just done so, so well, and so many great clips out of that, that they've used Including over the years. Through the ropes. Sorry? Including Akeem falling through the ropes. You catch that yes. in the clip. And that's the bonus the part. Playlist that both Twin Towers bouncing off the uh, ropes. And yep. as Bossman was going for Savage, Akeem fell through the ropes. And Savage he made his comeback. He sure did. And in fact, I think I think Hogan was supposed to maybe knock him off or something because it seemed like Hogan needed something to do, but because he <laughs> kind of eliminated himself. Yep. Okay, so uh, two to one victory for the NWO uh, formation officially, with Hogan uh, being the third man, not Mabel, as some people would think was the suspected thing, Dave Meltzer, uh, or it was not Sting who was asked as well. And that brings us to our other semifinal match Owen Hart versus Tommaso Ciampa. So just for the record, I can't say anything negative about Dave Meltzer at this point, so I'll, I'll keep it at that. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll say this, uh, when it comes down to it, I can't vote HBK Gennetti over the uh, the Hearts, uh, vote uh, Ciampa and Gargano, and then go and change my mind on this. So I've got to go Ciampa and Gargano to the finals. Well, Sean, okay. you get the tiebreak this one, because for me it's uh, the Owen Hart one. Yeah, uh, for me, it was Owen uh, as well. I had a conversation, as I said, with Nathan uh, earlier today, and we were trying to uh, just talk it out. And, uh, that, and yeah, I got to go with Owen because of the history that it did uh, do. Uh, so that is going to be our finals. And we'll just make one last a peek at what happened on the ticker. Sorry, the bracket. Hulk Hogan uh, being the third guy won 2 1 over the Mega Powers exploding, and Owen Hart beat Tommaso Ciampa 2 1 to make it to the finals, which is Hulk Hogan taking on Owen Hart. Uh, are you guys surprised by this at all with how it played out? Uh, would you have predicted this from the start, Chris Maloney? Oh, no, I, I guarantee no. I guarantee Joe <laughs> Jones is going to say no too, but mine was your, later on. What were your final two? My final two when it can't come right down to it, I'd have to, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably say NWO for sure, which I'm you know, it which is in there, but there, there is some bias down at the, the lower card. Uh, I mean, when you look at Say, for example, Christian and Edge, and then obviously the one that got beat out that I'm not too happy about, and that's HBK and Janetti. 
that I mean that would right there would have probably final two for me. So HBK Genetti and then the NWO, but uh, obviously not happening. Not even Champa Gargano happening. Freaking oh. the hearts. Five. Johnny uh, Jonesy. Wow, well, are your thoughts? Well, actually, that's what my parents were going to call me if I was a girl. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still distraught over Andre. So I'd, I would have lost a lot of money Andre if I bet on this. <laughs> unless Andre beat Hogan as the third man, Andre wasn't going to make it uh, too much further. So what were your Which final two? It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. A guy who had the career that Andre did, a good guy, and he turns bad on Almighty Hogan, and you have, anyways, I, I've lost. I, 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 you know, it'd be easier if it was like you know being a Blue Jays fan where you just accept the fact that they suck and you move on. So. Yeah. Okay. So that brings us to our final matchup. Yeah, that's kind of like being a Raiders uh, fan for football, isn't it? Uh, you get your hopes up, and then you get crushed, and then you get back into the saddle. You know, it's a revolving door. I get that. Um, they're now two and two. Anyways, uh, final matchup: Hulk Hogan versus Owen Hart. Jonesy, you get to start this off. It is a hard one. Um... Because, you know, I'd like to go with the Owen one, but the NWO one, we, I still think maybe the Owen Hart one is better crafted and because it, it's basing off of real life, real feelings and all that. But because it was in, in WCW, it actually is one of the better things they did. It's kind of like you wish John Zena would, would have fucking turned bad, but he didn't do it. Where and maybe he will still, maybe he'll come back and do a bad run. I hope, but um, yeah, for me, it's the Hogan one, and it it really did a lot for WCW and the longevity of Hogan's career. It was like you know, he was he was on his last down and all that, and oh, oh I'm gonna be knocked off the pedal so soon, and then boink. So, um, for me, it's it, Hogan, that one just. You know, it's almost unbeatable, except for maybe Andre. But you know, <laughs> let it go. <laughs> um, so it looks like Chris Maloney is going to be our tiebreaker because um, once again, my conversation with Nathan Hill uh, earlier this morning at work, uh, comparing the two, and it's just like who could beat Hulk Hogan uh, being the third man, and looking at the lower uh, side of the bracket. The only one that did actually stand out was Owen Hart's turn. Uh, we talked about it being the uh, shadow of Bret Hart, being uh, victim of circumstances to uh, Jerry the King Lawler in that uh, feud, uh, being the lone Hart eliminated at WrestleMania, I mean, sorry, at, uh, Survivor Series, the animosity at Christmas time, getting back together, going for the tag titles, kicking the leg out, challenging each other at WrestleMania, being the best match on that card uh, to start things off, the king of the ring for Owen Hart, the cage match, the uh, pleading with mom to protect Brett and everything that happened up till their uh, reunion. Owen was a great heel in that regards. Hulk Hogan turned heel 
and was one of the biggest moments in WCW history. It helped turn the tide. Uh, it was a big uh, proponent with those 83 weeks that WCW did defeat uh, WWE. But NWO got too big and people got lost in the shuffle. Yes, Hogan was there as the main leader, but then it got split off and you had Nash as a leader, Hogan as leader, going against each other. Uh, Hogan needed to separate himself, but still wear the colors and bring out a different uh, theme. Had they stayed a smaller unit and dominated WCW like they probably should have, I would have been giving Hogan my vote. But I think it got watered down too much. The main event scene was shit when they got between the bells. If they were doing their uh, promos, people tuned in for that. But people laughed at their uh, matches. You had uh, really shitty matches with Ultimate Warrior and the Giant and uh, Nash, Piper, Ric Flair, all these horrible things, even after Hogan had turned heel. Owen Hart had a great run character-wise, family-wise, storyline. Everything was there. That's why I'm saying Owen Hart beats Hulk Hogan in this finals. Now, Chris Maloney. Till the end, because Owen went back to the Blue Blazer, man. He didn't have a good end. But Brett was gone. Brett was gone. And they yeah, but that's done still the part of the, the, the whole storyline. So he fell apart as much as NWO did. Well, we'll see. Chris Maloney, what is your pick? You guys hear that okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the, look, uh, the look of disappointment on Sean's face that he heard it just fine. <laughs> Well, yeah, he sorry. was ready with either one. <laughs> I think he knew which one was coming. I, I tell you this. So I, I tell you with regards to Owen and Brett, it's, it's, it was amazing to watch, but it was the, the legacy of where Owen's career went. Um, with the NWO, without it, wrestling wouldn't be the same. And there's still people, I mean, we think about what NWO was 19, was in 96, I believe. And people still talk about it like it was yesterday, 24 years later. So yeah, got to go NWO. So as much as uh, I'm not necessarily a Hulkamaniac, I don't hate him like Sean does, but I'm not necessarily a Hulkamaniac. I was always an Ultimate Warrior guy. Uh, yeah, I've got to go uh, NWO for the win. Oh, no wonder you friggin' didn't pick Andre. You like the Warrior. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, uh, this concludes this week's edition of the Fantasy Warfare Tournament. Uh, I believe Chris Maloney will be joining us next week. When we talk about the greatest face turns, uh, here's a quick video on that, and we'll uh, let you know what to expect.
So there you go. And next week will be the uh, greatest face turns. Things like CM Punk taking uh, his pipe bomb against thumbs up, thumbs down to uh, Randy Orton. Savage and Elizabeth reuniting, going against Virgil as a man. Lex Luger's patriotic slam against uh, Undertaker saving Elizabeth. Uh, the Mega Powers forming uh, against Jake Roberts taking a guitar shot. Bossman can't be bought going against Austin not giving up. And so many more. Um, yeah, we talked about some of them, uh, hinted at them in this episode. Guys, your thoughts on next week before we take off? V-I-R-G-I-L. What the hell is that? That's how you spell man. Oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot about that. There was also all those tears at what was at WrestleMania 7. I mean, it wasn't uh, Savage had to take the freaking uh, all the um, uh, praise away from the Warrior for beating them. And the next thing you know, they freaking reunited. So that's uh, her shoes were too tight. Who? The woman on the floor. Oh, geez. Didn't you hear Bobby <laughs> either? That is one of the most I'm, I'm going to you know, I'm going to find that image in crystal clarity. So you can use it as a backdrop maybe for next week of that. That one lady with all that blonde hair. It's a, a classic. It's like you talk about CM Punk's uh, pipe bomb. That image right there is just as classic as the pipe bomb. And I guarantee when you guys, Sean, I think you know what I'm talking about, but Jones, some, some lady with typical early 90s, late 80s hair, you know, faces all kind of, uh, uh, who is that? Who is that? Tammy? Oh, I can't think of her name right now, but there, there's some girl, a lady. With, Baker? Yes. Yes. That lady, that type of makeup going on. And she'd cry in her eyes. Uh, and Sean apparently had backstage. Oh, yes, back. I remember now. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were they kept coming to the crowd looking for shots, and, and that was one of them. But Blue yeah, dress with polka dots. You, you hey, know, hey. take that take, take that out. Take out the Savage Liz reunite and simply put that lady in there. And then see if she makes it all the way through to CM Punk's pipe bomb. That'd be classic. There you know, that's go. a that's a lady I would really like to get a signed autograph from. <laughs> It's like, so, it's, yeah. like, it's like the Miz girl. You guys know who I'm referring to? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, guys, uh, thank you for joining us. We will see you next week. And Maloney, you have some other watching to do. So, we'll see you then. Have yeah, a good it's, night. It's going to be interesting. So, yeah. Thanks for having me, though. Yep. See ya. Cool.